I was in a coma for six weeks while the doctors told my wife I was going to die. When I woke up, she told me the most fantastic story. My team kept running the business without me. Freelancers reached out to my team and said, we will do whatever it takes as long as Craig's in the hospital. I consider that the greatest accomplishment in my career. My name is Craig Andrews, and this is the Leaders and Legacies podcast, where we talk to leaders creating an impact beyond themselves. At the end of today's interview, I'll tell you how you can be the next leader featured on this show. Today, we have a rock star guest, a legitimate rock star. His name is Michael Baker, and he was the lead singer and songwriter for Fall of Envy and melodic hard rock band, which has been streamed over 20 million times worldwide. He's a solo artist at uh, 364 as well. Uh, he's been featured in movies, television, and has performed with acts such as Guns N' Roses, Papa Roach, 30 Seconds, uh, 30 Seconds to Mars, James Brown, and more. And this started at an early age. He was born into a family that was on a tour bus. He spent the first six years of his life on a tour bus, remembers his uh, bus better than he remembers his own home. And in this journey, uh, Michael found himself handling social media, marketing, design, delivery, video editing for more than uh, for more uh, 2 million multi-tech firms. And at some point, he decided it was time to launch his own venture, Guiding Perception Content Media. Michael runs that the same way he runs his life. He puts Christ first in everything he does. You could say, prior to launching this, this was what he was destined to do his entire life. Michael, welcome. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on. You know, we, we've been chatting a little bit in the uh, the green room, and I just want to tell folks that are listening, hang on, you're, you're going to have a few surprises in this conversation. This is certainly an interesting life. Um, and the, um, the, first off, let's just start with what, what was it like growing up on a, a tour bus? Very interesting. Um, you know, obviously it was, uh, up until I was six years old, uh, when my parents decided that, um, there's probably a better financial future for them, uh, and their three children than, <laughs> uh, on a tour bus going into, uh, churches across the country and, and singing. Um, but it, it was quite interesting. Uh, one, one kind of story that, that is stuck in my head, probably because it was a little traumatic. Um, I had some type of toothache or some a tooth falling out and I was swollen and the, my family were inside the church uh getting ready like rehearsing sound check all that type of stuff and they left me in the bus to sleep well um i woke up and could not figure out how to get the because we're talking old school we're talking i was born and uh give away my age here i was born in 73 so this is between 73 and 79 if you can imagine the old school bus there wasn't like a little button and the doors magically opened it was you know you pull this big handle type of thing and uh this is like partridge family bus 
Yes, yes, old school. So, yeah. so I could not at whatever age I was, probably about five, I could not get that thing open, and I was just traumatized. And by the time either somebody came and got me and everything, that was just I, I remember that uh, so distinctly of of not being able feeling trapped inside this bus. Of course, nowadays, fast forward, the amount of trouble had anybody known that they had left me inside the bus and and I couldn't get out amount of trouble from authorities they would have gotten in at that time <laughs> nowadays compared to back then where it was no big deal right sleeping in the sleeping in the top part of the of the car where the window is and the, yeah. the ledge <laughs> we had a uh, we had a Volkswagen van and the uh, the luggage compartment was basically a mobile playpen for us we're back there just screwing around playing with cars and GI Joes, you know, no seatbelt in sight. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Let alone a child seat. I don't think those existed then. No, I don't, I don't even know. Uh, which begs the question, why do school buses not have seatbelts? Oh yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. That is, that is pretty amazing. It's pretty uh, amazing. But yeah, so anyway, so yeah so it was it was an interesting life um doing that and and you know we we traveled around it was our family uh our whole family and then another family and we we toured around yeah wow what's um you know as as kids you always assume that your life is normal and, and obviously that was like a a really abnormal life compared to the masses did did you perceive it as abnormal or did it just seem normal to you just seemed normal to me and it's funny because i've never i've never had anybody ask me that or or make that statement and here i am fast forward i have two children my own one's about to turn 10 the other one is seven um boy and girl and my little girl just lost a tooth this morning um but here we are not touring as a christian singing group around the country in a tour bus but we are traveling the country full time uh, and i run my business from the road um <laughs> traveling the world uh the the country full time in a, in a fifth wheel and to them this is this is not abnormal this is normal life this is this is just our life it's 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 our little bubble of, of what our reality is right you know, in some ways, it's a different version of working on the farm with dad. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, your kids are on the road with you. They're they're working on the farm with dad. Yeah. Well, they get a they are getting a, a firsthand look. Now, I've um, kind of rewind a little bit um, and you mentioned it. So I worked uh, prior to starting my own marketing firm. I was in tech. And I was uh, director of business development for one tech firm uh, out of Nashville, and then uh, uh, was also doing sales stuff for another tech firm out of Ohio. Um, but I'd always worked from home. Um, I had been working from home for for quite several years, and we've always homeschooled our kids, and so they they're kind of used to me always being around. Um, but it's good because they're getting a firsthand look of, you know, it's, it's the different, it's a different world. It's, it's not the dad wakes up at 
you know, whatever time in the morning, he's out the door. We don't get to see him um, until X amount of time, you know, and then we get X amount of time with him in the evening, those types of things. It's, it, but they still are seeing that there is still responsibilities. There are, there's still work that has to be done. It's not just, Hey, we just happen to be in this beautiful state park with uh, waterfalls and we can just go out and just do whatever we want. We, we still have work. We still have school. We still have responsibilities and we have to get those things finished and accomplished first so that we can go enjoy the other parts of our life. Yeah. Wow. Now, Let's uh, let's jump back to the the music. Um, those those were some big bands that you you played for. Of course, Guns and Roses are open for you know Guns and Roses is a big one. Um, wasn't the uh, the mom uh, James Brown? Oh my goodness, that had to be electric. James Brown uh, shared stages with uh, George Clinton and the P Funk. Um, Creed, Nickelback, Three Doors Down, um, a lot. I've 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 been very blessed. Um, um, I would I would say I've had about as good of a music career you can have uh, without being signed to a major label and becoming a household name. Um, played, I think the highlight. I would say, you know, it's it's interesting because I've opened for all these bands, but the highlight I would say is. Um, so Ben Hill Griffin stadium is where they used to, which is the Florida Gators. They used to have their, uh, what's called Gator growl. That's their homecoming party. And for, I don't know if it still is, but it used to be considered the largest homecoming event in the entire country for any university. And they held it inside the stadium. And so, uh, one year, my, my first band, which was called liquid vinyl, um, we, we were very successful as well. Um, uh, it, it, but either way, um, we got to open up all a Gator Growl and up to that point, there had only been one other band that had actually opened up in Gator Growl. It was usually comedians and things like that. Um, and so by the time we got off the stage, there was an estimated, uh, 75,000 people that we were performing in front of, um, Boy. by the time we were finishing up our set. So that was, that's probably highlight. Um, even though we've played with many well-known bands, that was pretty cool being basically playing a stadium. I mean, how many people can say that they've played a stadium in front of 75,000 people and still relatively be unknown? <laughs> yeah, that is amazing. I know very, very few people that have been on a stage that big. And uh, that's pretty amazing. You know, the fell off the front. Oh, oh. <laughs> That would have been embarrassing. I almost tripped over. Uh, I, I started to trip over some of the monitor cords at the front because I was getting a little too, I, I love to perform on stage. I don't just mark the X and stand there still. Um, and so I was performing and I tripped over the cords and I was only about two feet away from dropping about 30 feet to the, from the top of the stage to the bottom, to the, oh my goodness, into the end zone. I would not have called that a touchdown. Oh my goodness. I, I didn't realize it was that high. Yeah, it was a big, big stage. Just the other day, my my wife and I were talking and I, I heard a Guns N' Roses song come on the air. And I was never a big Guns N' Roses fan. But I told her, I said, my perception is that Alex Rose is enormously talented. 
you know, when, and, and I was judging it based on the, the variety of styles that he could play. It wasn't like he found one lane and just ran in that lane. He, he could run in multiple lanes. Yeah. I mean, that's, um, I agree. There, a lot of these bands, these huge, especially if I'm in a rock world. So, um, a lot of these huge rock bands, when you really start dissecting musically, especially these older bands like these Metallica's, these Guns N' Roses, the the you know getting old school, even more old school Led Zeppelin things like that, when you break down musically what's happening in the songs, it's it's quite complex there's a lot of stuff going on there theoretically and, and musically um and so uh, one of the coolest things i've ever heard was uh there was a an orchestra um a very very famous orchestra that did an entire album of of nothing but metallica stuff there was no singing there was no no guitars or anything it was just the orchestra and musically it was just like this is this is so unbelievably cool um it was so uh, you start realizing what they're doing but but yeah axel had that ability even though his voice was very unique he had that ability to be able to go from that screaming crazy to you know the double album where they where it was chopped full of ballads yeah well and the thing that eye covers and you know things like that (laughs) Well, and the thing that was part of our conversation, I'd be interested in your take on this. I I said, you know, if you look at Eddie Van Halen, widely regarded as a brilliant guitarist, but it seems like he had one lane and he played that lane very well. You know, I don't in him, I don't see as much diversity as I do like Axel Rose. Yeah, I would say Eddie's probably the greatest, um just for his innovation and things. Um uh, man, we could talk about music for forever. Um, I don't know if you realize a Sammy um, uh, Hagar and uh, Michael, I can't think of his last name, uh, the bass player. Van yeah. They're going on tour. And um, Satriani is going to be the guitarist. And they were on uh, Howard Stern and they were talking about what was the hardest thing that Eddie ever played. And Satriani tried to play it. And he kind of did, but he started to do it and had to stop. He's like, man, this is so hard. And to Eddie sitting there doing it on stage in front of tens of thousands of people with with ease, as if it was just riding a bike. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's um, I, I I understand what you're saying with that. It's it's he kind of had his thing and just went went with it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I tell you so- what. Son is incredibly talented, by the way. If anybody has not heard, uh, there's a band called Mammoth, which, fun fact, that was actually going to be Van Halen's original band name, uh, Mammoth. Um, and it's his son um, and his, um, oh gosh, I can't believe. Wolfgang. Wolfgang, yes. Wolfgang Van Halen. Um, and he plays every instrument on the album. He does everything. And it's absolutely unbelievable it's it's an amazing album wow albums actually but anyways <laughs> what this is fascinating what but let, let's talk about so help me understand how did you go from this i mean this just sounds like an amazing 
creative musical career over to perception content media? Yeah, so to try, great question, to try to make a very long story short. Um, so I met my now wife and we were, I was still in the band um, and it kind of, it, it just, it had nothing to necessarily do with her or wanting to have a family. It was just at the age I was and, and, and what, what I was trying to do, I just kind of came to this piece um, within myself of like, Hey, I've had a great life. I've been very blessed to have done what I've done. Um, but it was, it was okay to let go. It was okay to stop chasing the dream to try to be signed to a record label and travel and, and tour and play stadiums on a regular basis. Right. Um, and so, uh, I always make the joke that I'm the anomaly. We ended up, uh, we were living in Florida. I, we, I'm, I'm the anomaly. I moved to Nashville to get out of music. Um, <laughs> the opposite of what most people do. That is wild. Work, worked in HR, uh, outsourced HR for a little bit, but then ended up in tech. And, uh, the first tech form firm that I was working for, I was national director of business development, but they didn't have any marketing. and as as sales, I knew how important it was to have marketing content and things like that because like it just is going to help me with my pitch that much more. So I just took over marketing and just started doing it all. Um, kind of plateaued within that uh, business and didn't see my career going much further. So I, I shifted to another tech firm out of Ohio and they they came to me like, hey, since you were doing marketing over here and we're still trying to figure it out for ourselves, do you, do you mind doing it for us? And so I was like, sure, you know, well, I'll do it. And so I, I did it and kind of just to rewind real quickly with all my band and music stuff, I was the one that was pretty much doing all the flyers. I was doing album covers and I was doing CD inlays. I know there's, we don't really have CDs anymore, but I was doing all that, the marketing type of stuff for the bands until we were getting underneath um, labels and things like that. So fast forward um, with, we, I with that other tech for, firm, the second firm, and COVID hits and uh, coming out of COVID, they completely changed how they were going to go after business and how they were, well, how they were going to grow their business. We were going to open up a bunch of spots all around the country. Well, they decided they were just going to have all of their, um, their, uh, their people be at the main headquarters. Things weren't working out coming out of COVID. We we're just going to, so, so we parted ways and um I was in a good financial spot. And so I, I really enjoyed the marketing things that I was doing. I had, I had a, a friend of mine who had his own business. And so I just did some marketing social content stuff for him and without him knowing and just sent it to him and just said, hey, what do you think about this? And he was like, dude, this is awesome. I kind of tailored it towards like the Gary V type of, you know, reels and that type of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and he was like, I love this. I was like, cool. I was like, can we, can I come to your office and have a conversation? And so I did. And in the back of my mind, my thought was, I'll just do this as like a little bit of a side hustle. And this, this will just buy me some extra time to really, I, I just want to land with the right company. I didn't, I don't want to feel like I have to take a job just because I don't have one. 
Um, and ultimately I walked out of his office uh, with a monthly recurring revenue uh, contract to, to handle some of his marketing stuff. I got down to my car and I called my wife and I said, I'm not working for anybody ever again. Um, I'm going to have, I'm going to start my own marketing firm. And she was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I just realized it was just that, that, you know, lack of better terms coming to Jesus moment of just like all of these things from my past of all the stuff that I had to do to understand how to market my, my music and my bands and all of those things that I helped handle. And then even going into tech, um, and, and doing those. And I, I and I even have a, a old blog post that I wrote, not even realizing where my life was going to go. Right. Uh, but I had an old blog post that I wrote that was called wake up sales, salesperson, it's time to market. And the whole blog post was talking about how as a salesperson, what you're actually doing is marketing. You're marketing your business, your, your company, you're marketing yourself, you're gaining trust, all of those things. Um, and then fast forward and, and I just realized this is what I love to do. It, it's, it's still feeding that creativity um, piece of me that I had, you know, through music and all of that. I get to be creative. I get to try to think outside of the box. And, and, and ultimately what I love about it is it's, it's fulfilling the piece of me that also I just like to help people. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a reason why my wife is the one that, you know, does most of the financial handlings in our household. And that's because if it was up to me, uh, if it was left to me, I'd probably give away <laughs> a lot more of our money. And, and that's just the way I just like to help people. Um, and, and so this is a great way for me to help people that, have businesses and and are are needing to they're 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 in the same boat as me they're they're they run in their own business and they they need to grow they need to get more customers clients um but don't have that big box budget that a lot of these larger businesses have and so i just love being able to do that and so it's it's feeding all of these little pieces of who I am um, and allows me to live, live the life that I'm doing and spend time with my kids rather than lack of better terms, being, being a cog um, in a system. Yeah. Now, one of the things, and you said you had a come to Jesus moment uh, and was, but in your bio, you said that, you know, Jesus or Christ is an important influencing factor in your life. What, what's that mean? So obviously, as as stated, you know, I grew up in a strong Christian home. My first six years, Christian singing group, um, and there were, you know, you know, I think not unlike a lot of people, there was that that part of my life where I, I strayed the opposite direction, um, and then then I kind of kind of got my life, I got my life straight, rededicated my life, um, and so. Um, I just completely went off another word. So, so I apologize. Let me make sure I am, I'm answering your question. What was the question again? Well, I'm just trying to understand um, what it means. You said you, everything you do, what's, let me take a look at your, you, you, um, 
you try to honor Christ. You try to put Christ first in everything you do. And what does that mean? Um, so uh, I believe I believe that um, what we're called to do, be in the Bible, what it literally says is to be disciples and so and to live a godly life. And there's there's many verses within the Bible that talk about how you are supposed to live your life on a daily basis. And so I try to do that. I, I try to understand that in everything that I do, um, that I need to I need to make sure that I'm setting an example that I'm 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 not just uh, preaching, so to speak. Um, I'm not just preaching, but I'm leading by example, and and try to. Um, you know, I, I'm not afraid to talk about my faith um, and share my faith. I don't, I don't shove it onto people. Um, but it's, but it's how I live my life, and and I want people to, I want people to under to look at me and it not just be a, oh, he claims to be this this person, but that's not who he really is. Um, I I want people to be like. Oh yeah, that's not just uh, you. Uh, he doesn't. I don't even have to hear the fact that that's what he claims. I can tell by the way he lives his life, the way he treats people, the way he runs his business, the way he treats his customers. Everything that he does is in the Christ-like um, model of of how would I mean? You know, it's the the old school, I guess, what would Jesus do <laughs> type of situation. But um, but it's it's that. It's just it's just modeling my life after what is has been called um for us to do and and trying to make sure that that's the center point of of what I do in my life. Well, there there's some people listening that <clears throat> their their brain is short circuiting right now. They're trying to figure out how to reconcile what you just said with you hung out with Metallica and Guns N' Roses and all these bands. Um, how, what, what did that look like then? Um, not good because, huh. because, and the reason, very honestly, you know, I went for, for um, there was that period in my life where, where I was not living the way I was supposed to be living and um, battled depression. I still feel like I battle depression um, uh, and um, here and there, it, 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 that might be strong. I, I still have these little pieces of, of things where I'm like, okay, deep breath, different things, you know, um, but uh, but I went through a period in my life where not going to church, not reading my Bible, not trying to have, I mean, the most important thing is is a relationship, a relationship with God. And I had no relationship. I, I had no interest in having a relationship. I would still call myself a Christian, but anybody who was around me during that period of time would have been like, whatever that is not the case because from what i know about what you're supposed to do if you're a christian you are not acting that way you are not doing the things not that i was treating people bad but i was not doing godly things and so um, there is just a period in my life that i i was not living that way um i was i was the uh 
the old adage of of what it was like to be the lead singer of a rock and roll band mm. living that yeah. life wow I do, I do believe uh, you know it's it's a i do believe that there is a part of of my past where I feel like God saved me almost from myself because uh, we were right on that verge. We had, we had major record labels that had given us offers. Um, we had some great attorneys that were keeping us from signing basically horrible record deals. Um, and, um, but I feel like overarching, I feel like God was saving me for myself because I had my band um, gotten signed while I was in the midst of that dark part of my life, who knows if I would even be still alive. Wow. Because oh I, it, just, it would have just, it would have just compounded what I was already doing, being a big fish in a little pond, so to speak. And then all of a sudden, if we were just on tour and that was life, who knows? Who knows? You know, Ozzy Osbourne just came out and announced that he has less than 10 years left. And he's 74. I'm like, I'm shocked that you had 74 years yeah. living that lifestyle. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I appreciate you sharing that. That's it's really transparent. You know, there's a, you know, I think a lot of people look at Christians and they say, well, you pretend to be one way, uh, but I know who you are in reality. And I think you painted an interesting picture of, no, there there were some dark days. There were some good days, and and it's it's, I guess, not a about a life of perfection, but a life of pursuit, right? So one of the questions, you know, obviously you have perception content media. Do you only work with uh, owners of Christian companies? No, no, not at all. I work I I work with with anybody that is is needing help <laughs> with their business and wants help with their marketing um no i i don't i don't uh get into those conversations um you know i keep it pretty business but for the most part you know um you know it's it's on my website you know people people can ask me about it but i don't i don't typically bring that up within conversations in business Okay. Well, as far as, as far as me, like trying to like, yeah, all of a sudden push that on, like I, if, if it ever is like commented on, or if I start picking up, you know, cause I get to know my, my clients, you know, it's, I, I want to get to know them and understand, you know, their life and, you know, about their families and things like that. Um, and so um, if it's ever, you know, if I start getting an inclination of like, you know, hey, you know, how was how was your your week? You know, how's your month been? Oh, it was great. You know, we went to this church function. You know, if I hear that, then I'm like, okay, that's my door. I can start talking. You know, about that. Um, so, and and or, or or if somebody asked me, you know, hey, what what'd you do? I was like, oh yeah, it was great. You know, went we went to the the thing at my church and blah 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 blah. You know, and I'll throw those things out, but I don't I don't push it. Uh, so to speak <laughs> yeah well for people that want to reach out to you how how do they find you yeah so the best way to find me uh, um is is on my website 
perceptioncontentmedia.com. Um, and so you can reach out to me there. There's a contact. Um, but of course, you know, I'm, uh, I think LinkedIn is one of my biggest used, um, for, for me and, and, and for contacts within the business realm. Um, you know, obviously I use all social media platforms to help promote and do things like that, but, but yeah, perceptioncontentmedia.com is, is probably the easiest just because you can just fill up the contact form and and it, it'll go straight to my team and and uh let me know that that hey somebody saw you on craig's podcast and and they want to talk to you about whatever it may be <laughs> business about what you said about christ want to know more about your music whatever it is well michael i do hope people reach out to you i what a fascinating story what a fascinating life you've lived and I appreciate you sharing that today on Leaders and Legacies. I appreciate it, Craig. Thank you so much for having me on. This is Craig Andrews. I want to thank you for listening to the Leaders and Legacies podcast. We're looking for leaders to share how they're making an impact beyond themselves. If that's you, please go to alliesforme.com slash guest and sign up there. If you got something out of this interview, we would love you to share this episode on social media. Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone who would be a great guest, tag them on social media and let them know about the show, including the hashtag Leaders and Legacies. I love seeing your posts and suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content to make sure you don't miss anything please go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show. It means a lot to me. It means a lot to my team. If you want to know more, please go to alliesforme.com or follow me on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.